welcome to the Flourish podcast with Dr. Tony Ingram, where you will hear straight from some of the best practitioners and leaders in wellness on how to take control of your family's physical, mental, and spiritual health, because we were all designed to flourish. All right, so folks, welcome again to the Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Tony Ingram, and today I am so pleased to have with me John James for what I hope will be the first of many conversations. John is a massage therapist, a master body worker, the owner of Kikino Massage School and Institute of Healing, and just an all-around really cool guy. He also happens to be married to Michelle Routon James, owner of Wonderfully Made Wellness Sanctuary, which makes him one half of the Routon James power couple. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, I'm glad to be here. Good, good to have you. Okay, so let's start out by, tell me about Kikino, what does the name mean, where that name come from, and what do you guys do? Oh, well, first of all, Kikino is two words, so it's ki, K-E, which means the, Okay. and kino means body. It's Hawaiian. The body. So the original owners. Uh, so I'm se I'm separating it now on yeah, my paper. I've been words. writing it wrong all this time. The the original owners uh, went to open a massage school in Hawaii and it didn't work out. No way. So they w opened a Hawaiian named massage school in Plano, Texas. That's <laughs> funny. Oh my goodness, I love that. <laughs> so they got half of it. So were they were they from Texas? Were they from yep. Hawaii? Yeah, I don't know exactly where they're from but they, I think they were local here okay yeah. okay very cool so so that means you were not the original owner I'm of Kikino tell yeah. me about kind of just a brief history how did that happen um, well first of all Kikino is 18 years old um, I've been a body worker in Plano for 31 years uh, I we, we were trying to scale a business that we had built called the C-Sectrum Recovery Center and in doing so, we realized that the big breakdown we had was not just the money it would take to scale a business like that. It was like, where are we going to get the talent? Because it required a different level of therapist to work with that population. Not so, just, we're not talking just a normal massage. Uh, right. And yeah. so what we realized in that conversation through some accurate thinking that what we really need to do is get involved in education. We had a light bulb moment of what? Why don't we just buy Kikino? And it wasn't for sale. So we went about a, a one-year project of helping it to be sold to us. So. So you wanted to do this thing mm -hmm. with the C-section recovery center. Mm -hmm. There weren't enough practitioners who had the level of expertise to do right. the things. So you're like, why don't we just? create the practitioner right, exactly. <laughs> let's educate yeah. them yeah that's so stinking cool it's a long it's a long haul I... it's a long way to go about it but it but it's a really good place to be so so you're one of these people who don't take the easy way out okay awesome so did it start at so kikino itself we're going to talk about your career okay. specifically here in just a second kikino itself did it start as just the clinic or just the school or was it always both? It was always both. It's very, in the beginning, it was very different than what it is now. There's been uh, chiropractors, acupuncturists, um, Ayurvedic health practitioners. Oh, there. wow. 
Um, when I bought it five years ago, I felt like it should just be body workers. Gotcha. Because there had already been this kind of diminished belief in the value of body work or massage therapy, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted us to be really proud yeah. that we were body workers and massage therapists. And so we, so we just very carefully and cautiously narrowed it down to just body work. That's amazing. Yeah. So get so I know I get that question a lot when I am recommending or referring a patient to Kikino. One of the first questions that I get is, you know, "What is body work? Like, what does that mean? Why are you sending me to these people? What is what is body work? How is it different than massage?" Right. And so I would what I would say is that massage is a component that would sit under the the name body work. Okay. And of course, this is body worker is not a formal a formal name. It's right. just something that's kind of surfaced, like pop culture kind of thing almost. Yeah. And um, what I like about it is that if I'm a body worker, let's say that I let's say I receive the gift of of using touch as a a way to earn my living, mm-hmm. and I go about um, trying to help people. Then if I'm a massage therapist, then I'm just using massage techniques. But as a body worker, I can I can create a lifelong practice of adding whatever to that that would help the patient the most. Okay, so you can include I, I can different just, methods. Manual lymphatic drainage, myofascial release, visceral work, okay. energy work. Oh. I can just go on and on. It never ends. It never ends. And so the entire career is um, an opportunity under that name, in my opinion. It's, yeah. it's a, an opportunity for me to just continue to add. Yeah. And it is a, it's, it's one of the unique things about this profession is that it does have that ability for us to just keep adding. I love it, I love it. Yeah. So one of the cool things that I'm learning about Kikino is that, so yes, you do all of these bodywork techniques, but you also have different clinics within Kikino. So could you just touch briefly sure. on what those different clinics are and what they do? Sure. Um, we have three different clinics and, and we started narrow, narrowing it down to clinics because we understand the value of being narrow, mm-hmm. that it's, it's hard. We don't want to try to be all things to all people. We don't think that's actually possible. Mm-hmm. And so um, it took us some time to narrow we showed up when we first purchased it, we purchased it as the C-section recovery center, which was very narrow and yeah. very successful because of how narrow it was. Yeah. Um, and so from there, um, we took this company that was literally all of these different things and we began the, pra- the process of, of seeking some sort of narrow offer. And what it turned into was um, the corrective clinic, mm-hmm. which, uh, which is, is uh, the practice of uh, more orthopedic related corrections to the body, uh, restoring posture, um, looking at where the body's picked up compensative patterns and correcting those using body work. So you're fixing what's broken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's like if an athlete were to come to us, that's they would they would come to that clinic. Gotcha. Um, and then there's the family clinic. Oh, by the way, in the in the um, Corrective clinic. There's also our pre and post surgical work, 
where we're preparing people. Let's say someone's having a knee replacement. We're preparing them for that procedure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's our family clinic, which includes the C-section recovery center. It includes body work for babies. It includes um, uh, body work for mothers and spouses. And then families, just families in general. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that I'm, I know I'm saying it's narrow and that it's this big thing, but it is, it is as narrow as we could get it. Yeah. And then our last project, we kind of, that third space is always kind of held by a project that we're working on and uh, it's called Finding Zero Mm -hmm. and it has to do with using body work to get accelerated access to zero. And and imagine zero is just the least stressed you've ever been. And not just um, in your mind or in your environment, but literally in your body. And so it's using body work to cool off the autonomic nervous system. And that's, I think, so I, I send patients to the other two clinics, but really, as a dentist, I think that's where I've probably sent the most patients right. to Kikino is they come in and their nervous system is up here. Yeah. And I know, I know they're gonna have diminished outcomes to the care that sure. I give because they're just so amped up and they just need to ratchet things down Absolutely. a notch. So. <laughs> so there are some conversations that we have where, yeah, let's do some dental work, but please go to Kikino first. <laughs> well, thank you for your referrals. <laughs> please go. Please, please. <laughs> okay, awesome. So let so we've got the family clinic, the corrective clinic, mm-hmm. and finding zero, which is my I don't maybe that's my low-key favorite. I don't know. It depends on the day. That's your low-key favorite? Is yeah. That yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Is finding zero. Right. <laughs> because my husband spent the most time there. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, let's get into your work with moms and babies and, and go ahead and dig into how on earth you got started with all of this work that you do. Well, let's see, um, with the C-section recovery center, um, many years ago, I've been practicing 31 years. And so in the beginning of my second year, I had started treating Trismus. Okay. Lockjaw. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I had a dentist in town that was referring these folks to me and she had referred this lady to me that was the most locked I'd ever seen. She wasn't just locked. She was sitting in the lobby, kind of rocking and shaking and she was so locked up and hurting and and um, I worked on her that day. I'd had a lot of success working with those folks, and I would work inside of their mouth. Yeah. And I would usually get them unlocked. No, I couldn't even get my hand in her mouth. That's how locked she was. And so she was about to leave, and that would have gone straight to surgery, by the way. So uh, she was about to leave, and I started flipping through her chart and realized that she'd had three C-sections, a hysterectomy, and a laparoscope laparoscopic surgery to remove adhesions and I said when did this start and she went it was right after the laparoscope and so I had this kind of light bulb moment and I didn't understand the correlation at the time Mm -hmm. but I had this light bulb moment that maybe this is coming from her pelvis maybe this is maybe they those things are related and I didn't even know how they were related at the time and so we we started a process that day of working on the scar tissue in her lower pelvis and at the end of that appointment, when I reached under her, she was face up, and I was working her lower abdominal scarring. Yeah. When I propped her thoracic spine open, like creating a little more openness, yeah. her mouth opened. Sure. And she never locked again. 
And so... You've got to be kidding me. No. And so that's... Um, but you had no idea that that was going to happen. I didn't know she was going to open. I was on a hunch. But I was also... That started me down a pretty good rabbit hole of... of what, what is the correlation? I started looking at how the hands are mirrors of each other and then realized, well, wait a minute, the pelvis and the head is actually a mirror too. If I lean my head forward, my pelvis tilts forward. And if I lean it back, it... And so what the the rabbit hole then went to working with women uh-huh. and particularly addressing that correlation between damage to the lower pelvis, lower abdominal area, and how it was reflecting in other areas. So yeah. TMJ, yeah. Um, vertigo, plantar fasciitis, like those are all being generated from a breakdown at the pelvis. And so... Um, that's kind of that's kind of where it started, and so that eventually became the C-section recovery center, where we worked specifically dealing with adhesions. And then mm-hmm. we had another aha moment. And that's also what's cool about being body workers when you're practicing is you have that happen. You don't have that. You don't find yourself having an aha moment with a book open. Mm. You find it when you have a patient. We have on your table, and you you have these breakthroughs that happen. And mm-hmm. so um, the breakthrough was was that what we were dealing with. Although adhesion release was important, what what we were missing here was actually the birth wasn't complete regarding a C-section. You mean from a... Physiologically, that it was an incomplete biological process. That the birth started with conception mm-hmm. and arguably would end with vaginal compression. Yeah. The baby would be pushed through this fantastically designed tunnel. Yeah that would produce a therapeutic trip to re- resolving the birth the, the the birth making the producing the a resolution complete. making the process complete and so in realizing that what we were actually dealing with here was an incomplete biological process yeah that gave us enough information to then go down another rabbit hole and try to figure out if anybody else had figured this out and the fact is they had okay and so looking at other cultures like peru and places like that they have a lot of reverence for birthing and they have a lot of processes to um to complete biological process whether it's wound closing ceremonies or wrapping the belly or whatever do they do a lot of c-sections in peru no they do they do a lot in brazil okay a lot but i don't remember the number now it's 70 percent or something whoa it's crazy i may be off don't quote me on that okay i won't quote you but um, so that's kind of how women's, that's, that's where our, our work began with working with women. Yeah. And beginning to understand something maybe a little more involved than we had thought. Yeah. And then we started studying uh, Dr. John Upledger's work, uh-huh. who's the modern day father of craniosacral therapy. Yeah. And uh, in a book of his called um, Somato Emotional Release, he writes about this, which is so helpful to see that someone else had already found it and written about it. Okay. But he reta- he refers to it as when these things are left incomplete, that it leaves behind a retained biological frustration. And that that rang a bell for us because that's exactly what we had noticed. And although that's kind of a peculiar way to word it, it was it was very fitting. And we went on as an institute, as we went on to define frustration as the inability to met- metabolize something. So we, what we realized we were dealing with is moms that had, had developed, had, um, they could not make sense of the birth that they had had. They were incomplete. 
You mean emotionally, emotionally. they couldn't Not, mix into it? It could be physiological. I mean, yeah. when women see us, they usually lose five pounds almost immediately because the metabolism starts working again. Hold on now, but I have they, not experienced that. Dude. Where's my five pounds? <laughs> well, you know, you didn't, you didn't ask for that. You have to ask for the five pounds, no. But a lot of times women, right, well, if you had seen us right after your birth, yeah. you were kind of in a, if you were in a stall, yeah. like you, you were kind of in that stall like a lot of women get in where yeah. they're not losing. Yeah, you kind you of You would have lost the five pounds. I gotcha. Yeah, it was more of the no, time. No, that totally you, makes you sense. You were already perfect by the time you got to us. <laughs> so. I knew I liked you. So, so that's, so. Um, um, and so Dr. Upledger gave us, you know, they gave us some insight so that yeah. we could share that with, with others. And so that's kind of how the, the, whole, I, the whole thing came about, uh, how we started working with moms and, and babies. Well, eventually babies got involved as well, because why wouldn't they be? Yeah, involved? yeah. So, so, so you work on mom and then you work on baby. Well, that's, and that's also something really unique about us is that we don't ever work on baby first. And I don't know another clinic anywhere that does it that way. Um, yeah, if, and, and if I go somewhere and say, here, please work on my baby, mm -hmm. and then you make me hop on the table yeah. instead, I might raise an eyebrow. Right, but Maybe. you think about it, I think we've underestimated the power that, the, that women hold. Yeah. I think we've devalued that as a culture. Yeah. And um, in particular, how they can affect their children without touching them. With oh, just, 100%. just by being better. 100%. And so one of the things we consistently see day in and day out is that we almost don't have to treat the kid at all. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really close. Like we watch babies. We watch babies improve from across the room where mom finally turns their head and says, I, I've never seen the baby so, so quiet. Funny? It's amazing. We've really uh, misunderstood or, uh, the, the invisible connection between mom and baby. Yeah. It's really amazing. See, it's I've like a secret power. experienced that with pediatric patients in the chair. You know, if there's a, a, different, a different demeanor when mom comes back with the kiddo versus right. another parent or if yeah. kiddo comes back by themselves. But I never would have thought of it as being unsaid like if you're still you're still experiencing that same type of connection that same right. feeding off of each other even in infants and newborn like how right. how cool is that I it's not like they that. understand words that mom is saying no. but they completely understand how mom feels Absolutely. and where mom is at and at that particular likely, time it's likely all they have yeah that yeah. when they go to reference someone, something to answer the really unspoken question of, are they okay or not? Yeah. Because I say unspoken because they don't really have the question there, but there's this right. sense of a question that the child has as to whether or not they're in a place of safety, in a place of okayness. Yeah. And when they go to answer that, they reference that specifically to her. And they're only as good as she is. Mm-hmm. And so the real opportunity lies there. Right. Yeah. And I think anytime we can get our treatment reflective of reality, things go really well. Yeah. Like, and that's where a lot of times people are like, "Man, it's like magic." I'm like, eh, "It's just, re it's really close to the way it really works." So it makes it look like magic. It does. does. Yeah. I might refer to what you do as magic voodoo stuff. 
Well, and it's just, at yeah. Kikino, it's, we, we have a lot of magicians too. Like, Kikino's got, four, there's 14 of us, so. Yes. So, Is that, you need a sign outside your door that says something to the effect of master magician, head magician, yeah. something like that. Yeah. You need like a magic title. Okay. So. I'll, I'll get on that. I don't think that'll go over well. That would go over great. So what, so walk me through you're discovering all these cool things with moms and babies. At that point, do you decide, okay, I'm gonna make moms and babies my entire practice, or you still are seeing everybody for all these different things? It's just you happen to have this one area that is specific for the newborn process. Right. Okay, cool. Well, um, I don't just see moms and babies, but my practice looks a lot different than it did five years ago because because we have Kikino now we yeah. we've moved a lot of people out of my practice and and when moms and babies come in a lot of time they do they do end up on my schedule yeah i'm not the only one seeing babies in our clinic so yeah. there's three of us who are the who are the other two uh brigitte, um, I love brigitte. and and grace grace moore yeah um, yeah brigitte is 43 40 years in practice 43 or 44. Uh -huh. I'm 31. Grace is 35. So that's a, it's You've a really good trio. You've been doing it a little bit. I've been doing it a little bit, but yeah. it's a good trio, the three of us. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so they, plus they're, I mean, they have things that they're really better at than I am. So it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that around. It's so cool to have, anytime you can have master practitioners that have their own little twist on things and their own area of expertise. Yes. And then you can all just feed off of each other and do lots yeah. of really cool stuff together. Sure. I love it. Um, okay, so with families and newborns, how are these families typically finding you and and what does the process look like now at Kikino? Um, mom's groups is probably the greatest referral. Okay. It's also the most dangerous thing to, you know, those <laughs> things can go south really quickly. I but we've had really good that. luck there. We, we, we really paid close attention to how moms and babies are doing, so we've done pretty well there. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of moms groups. Okay. Um, cool. We have practitioners referring to us, yeah. midwives, doulas, a lot of that right now. We also have a kind of open-door policy, so any healthcare practitioner that makes a referral can always follow their referral. So like last week I had three midwives follow patients to the facility. So, so they're in session with us. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And, and we, we usually just put them to work and get them to help. That's awesome. So, um, also nurse practitioners, wonderfully made wellness sanctuary refers to us. Yeah. In a variety yeah. of other places. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Dentist. Den a couple of dentists yeah, here and there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, perfect segue. So as some of our clients and our friends right. know, uh, it's maybe been a, a well-kept secret for a little bit. We've been doing some infant tongue tie releases together, John and I have, where you are prepping mom and baby with body work before the procedure, and then you actually come to my practice and guide me and my team um, with the release, which has been really cool. So if it's, it's fun, isn't it? It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so for people who don't know, we'll dig into 
tongue ties just a little bit if you're not aware. Um, so when we're talking about tongue ties, we're actually talking about any tethered oral tissue. And you'll see that terminology a lot referred to. TOTS is kind of the, the acronym that we use. And we're just talking about any time that there is fascia that is restricting movement of some of the body parts in the oral tissue. So it could be a tethered tongue where a, the lingual frenum, this little piece of tissue, is connecting the tongue too tightly to the floor of the mouth. It could be the upper lip, the lower lip, it could be the cheeks, what we refer to as buckle ties. Um, and that can affect mom and baby several different ways. Primarily where we see that is difficulty breastfeeding and bottle feeding. You know, if baby can't get tongue to lift up properly to the roof of the mouth, then they can't get a good latch on mom when they're trying to nurse. And it can not only make nursing less efficient and less effective, but it can make baby really frustrated and create a lot of pain for mom too. Um, a lot of issues with mom. I can remember back, uh, my oldest is 14 and we were taught nothing about this in dental school for some reason, I guess, because I wasn't a pediatric resident or maybe they just didn't teach it. I don't know, but I knew nothing about it. Um, had my first kiddo really soon after I graduated dental school, knew nothing. Didn't know she was tongue tied until she was probably five. Um, so the first couple of months of her life, we were both just frustrated and crying a lot. There was a lot of crying in the Ingram household those first couple of months. It was really sad, um, but we made it through. And man, if I can, if I can help a couple of moms not have to go through that same process and go through that same physical pain and emotional pain. There's a lot of emotional pain when that happens, Absolutely. With, especially with your first kiddo and you don't know what's going on. Um, so I am happy to be able to be a part of the process where we can do a small, short, little procedure to eliminate that restriction, to get them to be able to have a better nursing relationship again. Um, and then dentalate when we're talking about dental development, oral health, growth and development, if they don't get that revised, then that can lead to different problems down the road. Like, yeah, we might get through infancy and maybe we can you know, suffer through some breastfeeding or switch to a bottle, but then there are still effects of that tie down the road where still, if the tongue can't elevate to the roof of the mouth like it should, then the tongue is not the strongest muscle like it should be that's impacting growth and development. And when the tongue is not the strongest muscle in the area, then the cheeks become the strongest muscle in the area. And when the cheeks are the strongest muscle, then everything grows much more narrow and much more constricted and can lead to allergies, sleep apnea, all kinds of this cascade of ill effects that can happen to kiddo as they grow into older kids and adults. Um, now I, I did these tongue tie releases for a little while at my old practice and then took a break when I moved up to the area and was not doing them for a while. Um, and then just very recently we started doing them 
together. And I actually only do the, this is exclusive. I only do tongue tie releases with John as my guide. Um, so John, I want to, I would like to hear your side of this story. Like how did we, how did this whole thing start? And, um, and why are we working together? Why are we working together? <laughs> well, one of the reasons we're working together is you're really easy to work with. Likewise. So it's really, really Likewise. nice. First of all, the relationship is, is, uh, is it's super helpful. And, it's been a lot know, of fun. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not just you, it's also your staff, like the group, like they've, they've got a really good mojo together, I guess you could say. Yeah. It, it's really good. They've got good vibes. And that's, um, I'll bring that up just because in, in a guided release, in a release that's involving body work, we take all of those things into consideration. That as a guide, if the room's not clear, then we're not, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so you'll notice when I come into your, the procedures, I often ask, so how's everybody doing? Or I've already done a little bit of work to get everyone clear, making sure everybody's there yeah. and everybody's on. Now doing that well. sounds like John James, super fun, woo woo. Uh-huh. Like the room isn't clear. What exactly do you mean by um, kind of like if you if you ever walked in? It just takes one person being in a bad place to alter the the uh, the effect of something. Yeah. And and so. And it also just takes one person to call it out for it to get removed. Fixed. It just doesn't yeah. take much. Yeah. A simple thing like, hey, Audra, are you okay? Yeah. You okay? What's going on? Like, it just, just even that call to just become present for a moment. Um, or let's say that it's a pause and everybody prays for a moment. Mm-hmm. Just even that. Like, that we, we understand the value of that, right? Yeah. And, and we, so... Um, so that's part of it. Um, so as far as, as tongue tie releases and guiding those, that was kind of a COVID project. It was a it was a dilemma we kind of kept running into, mm-hmm. is that the the releases were not being done in a way that worked very well. We kept getting babies and moms back, and they were really wrecked, like really wrecked, like emotionally, yeah, really bad. Not just emotionally, functionally. Oh, and they were, gotcha. they were having a hard time. Yeah. And so during COVID, we got, Kikino got shut down for 90 days. So uh, a dentist friend of mine and I started doing free phrenectomies together mm. for a while to try to figure it out. I contacted him and mm-hmm. we, we worked on that together and we kind of, I kind of got it figured out. Yeah. And I, I reached out to some key people and asked a lot of questions and kind of began to look at what guiding would look like. And then I started guiding with a variety of different people. Yeah. And in doing so, we were able to kind of figure out what we needed to do to pos- to prepare a mother and a baby so that when they walked in that day, baby was carried in, but when they came in that day, that the, baby the only thing, yeah, baby didn't walk in. <laughs> Except that one. <laughs> Except for that one, yeah. So, that's true. So, when they came in that day, that the only thing left to happen for that baby physiologically was to have a tongue tie release. Yeah. That everything else in that fascial line Everything else that was not working well in that in the baby's body was already gone, was already cleared. And then all my job becomes and at that point is to position the baby in a way that provides with the best opportunity to have that release, not only happen, but to leave the body. I always think of kind of kind of like winding a garden hose really tight and then squeezing the the uh, spray nozzle to release all the pressure in the hose. And that's mm-hmm. it's kind of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And more, the 
sure, we want more mobility in the tongue, but it's really more about the release in the body. And you'll notice a lot of times when we release babies, they're completely out. It's, it happens, it's, right? It's pretty it's cool, right? It's stinking awesome. And so it's I've gotten to yeah. where I'm chasing that at all times. I, do, I don't get it every time. It's a little precarious to get, but we notice we're getting it more and more lately. Yeah. Because we're setting it up and figuring out how we might do that. And what, that, what, what we're talking about there is that at the end of the release, when the release happens, the baby literally falls asleep. Like, like there's some sort of profound release or relief has happened for the baby. And so we've gotten to where we're trying to make that happen, yeah. which we think, we think we understand what that is. That's that release leaving the body. That's also the effect it has on the autonomic nervous system and that we're getting, um, the baby's just feeling better. And oh, without the body work, we never saw that happen. We did not. We just did not see that happen. And now, oh, I can tell you 100%. The process yeah. is stressful start to finish. Like from the moment mom calls, yeah. the pr process stressful. is stressful start to finish. Yeah. And then it's, and this is obviously before doing it guided. Mom calls, mom's nervous. She thinks that there's a tongue tie going on. Mom and baby come in. I look, yeah, definitely tied. Mom can't nurse. Everybody's upset. It's a stressful situation. Do we do we laser this baby's mouth? Do we not laser this mm -hmm. baby's mouth? We make the decision to do it. We would swaddle the baby, um, which no, I, my babies always liked it when I would swaddle them and put them to sleep, but goodness gracious, they did not like that right. uh, when we would do it in the dental office. These mean strangers would take yeah. baby and swaddle it. And even though we had the best of intentions and a lot of times they could, they still had better function afterwards, nothing about it felt good. And it was still stressful before it was, mom was kind of a wreck emotionally during the procedure. Um, sometimes baby, sometimes baby would nurse right away and sometimes they were just far too upset to nurse right away and then even afterwards it, it's we're getting phone calls from moms like okay baby's in pain okay baby needs this is this normal and then it, from the very first time that you worked with us in our office it was for one like you've already talked to mom and baby you've already worked on mom and baby everybody's just kind of chill. Like it's just, it takes it from a level 10 to like a level five, right off the bat before we even start. Um, and then you did like even changing the mood, the energy in the room right before we get started, you stop and ask my team, like, how's everybody doing? Yeah. How are we doing today? Is everybody okay? How was your weekend? Yeah. Like stuff like that. I noticed such a difference in not only how well babies function afterwards, but in how calm moms feel about the procedure. They just feel more at ease, more at peace about it, and um, and how well babies do after. I'm literally seeing less relapse of symptoms right. in the way that we do it, yeah. which is really stinking cool it is cool so so stinking cool <laughs> so anyway it's it's a really cool thing i don't i don't know what else to say it's just really fun <laughs>
Well, had you always swaddled babies before before we started? A hundred percent. That's yeah. what they teach so in we, all we, the continuing uh, education. Yeah, they taught that in the, the education I had about it. Um, I just, I was working with a team that would let me play around with it. Mm-hmm. And I had this idea of that we've worked so hard to get this baby out of flexion. Yeah. And then we we secure them like a straitjacket in flexion and lock up their autonomic nervous system and just all all sorts of things. And um, the first time we did a release free, completely the baby's able to move and I'm staying out of the way where the baby can move his or her feet and legs and Mm -hmm. perhaps even deal with some of the stress physiologically rather than being compromised. We noticed a big difference. And I think that's, I'm only bringing it up because I think it's important that we continue to allow for that kind of growth that's on the spot mm-hmm. and, and not wait for the next continuing education course to know what to do next. And we, what I like about this environment is that we, we can grow together, you know, yeah. and yeah. the baby and the mother obviously benefit from that. Yeah. And I think yeah. the moms and babies grow together too yeah which is well that's a thing that's the other thing with we we maybe have underestimated that moms are bathing or or birthing an opportunity to heal Mm -hmm. it's i mean i know it's a baby i got that yeah but is it it's also a healing opportunity for most of them yeah that they've got something they're trying to reconcile whether they know it or not Mm -hmm. and so us uh, having a tongue-tie release that doesn't uh, interrupt that but adds to that is really important yeah and so that they can begin to extract all of the learning and the growth and development for them and therefore for their families that they can get. I mean, that's, that's what you and I sign up for really right. is, to, is to be there and to be some sort of kind of guide for them, not just through a release, but like we want them to have a stronger family. We want them, imagine the, the, just the benefit of, of the bond, a deep latch bond. And if we can get that alone for them, huge. In, in the cascade of developmental um, milestones that begin to spring from that, when we can get that for them, it's so important. It changes the traje- trajectory changes of that baby right. and that family. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, what are your thoughts? I, I know what I, my thoughts on it are. What do you feel like the benefits are of doing the procedure with you there? as the guide versus not, you know, aside the fact that we don't have to swaddle if you're there, what are some other benefits of having it guided? If I've already worked with the baby and the mother, then when we're, um, when when they get there, I'm already working with them again. Mm -hmm. So they've already been to Kikino um, at least once, but maybe two or three times sometimes, depending. And then, um, so I'm able to prepare them once again um, so that's one of the benefits of it. And then once that preparation happens in your office, I'm able to carry the baby knowing everything I know about the fascial system of that baby, not not from a book, but from me having worked on that baby and carry the baby into the procedure room knowing all of that. Mm-hmm. And in that very moment in your office on that very day, we're able to position specifically related to what I know. Yeah, you know and exactly so, what the baby needs so, at that uh, point. It could be that I have one hand under their mid-spine and the other hand on the left chest because I can see the fascial pattern is locked in a way 
that the, the release is more likely to happen if I can hold those areas down lightly. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that's, that's one of the benefits. Yeah. Um, we also clear the baby afterwards. So clear meaning soothe. Mm-hmm. It's probably a better way to put it, mm-hmm. soothe. And then we go in and we reunite baby and mother with soothing in mind. So there might be some more work on mom then. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I've noted, I mean, it just makes my part of the procedure so much easier. Where, where I'm almost, I'm almost just an adjunct. I'm just, right. a, I'm just the girl with the laser. <laughs> where we get, it's like it's like a Goldilocks tongue tie release yeah. because it's it's not too little, it's not too much, no. it's just the right amount and exactly what that baby right. needs at that point in time right. to make sure that they have the best function. Well, that's after. something. That's something else uh, is is if there's seven things that are potentially released, mm-hmm. which is true, right? Yeah, yeah. If there's seven um, and there's only one right order which is something I believe. I believe that the, the, the practitioner that gets the release in the right order and uh, in making sure each release is complete mm-hmm. before moving on to the next release is the one that wins, so to speak. The, it's the so best. Because of that water hose it scenario kind of that, that you're talking about? It is, it, you could say that there's really not the wrong thing to release, there's just the wrong order to release them in. Yeah. And so um, that's another part of the guide and the relationship that you and I have that we can work together, work back and forth and figure out like, okay, we're going to start with the tongue. And then we're, remember our last procedure, what did we do? We did something different, right? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. We went from tongue to the upper left buckle. Yeah. And we've never done that, have we? No, never. But, but you could feel it. You could feel that something wasn't. And when we did that, everything else changed. Yeah. The entire mouth changed. And so what and that the usually right buckle does, didn't even need it. It didn't even need it. After we Whereas did that. if we'd gone to the lip, we may have ended up at the right buckle. Yeah. And confused is the word that comes to mind. We it it would have confused things. It would have been the wrong order. Yeah. And so that was great. That was great that we went from the tongue, we went to the left upper buckle, went to the upper lip, problem solved. Yeah, which so is not so, something that's even on my radar so as a as a surgeon. That's right. That's not something I think about. I think of, you know, what's the easiest spot to get to first. Right. And it, that's one thing that's been really cool is just taking, yes, I'm revising the tongue tie with a laser, right. but it's, it's going for a goal that's so much more than that. Yeah. That's been so much more, yes. something new and cool for me yeah. to experience too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I know you're passionate about this work. It absolutely shows. And I just want to thank you, not only for making these patients a priority in your practice, but for what you've taught me as a practitioner as well. Um, I know I'm a a better practitioner and a better leader just because of the time that you've spent in my office. Thank you so much, thank you. A lot of fun. Billing is mutual. Okay. now, believe it or not, I don't know that newborn care is even the coolest thing you do. I don't know. Maybe it is the coolest thing you do. What's your, what do you think is the coolest thing that you do? Um, you really like the newborns, don't you? I, I like, I like rebirthing practices a lot. Oh so, yeah. So, Tell us a little um, bit about the rebirthing. So what we realized is that if we have an incomplete biological process, a birth that's mm-hmm. incomplete for whatever reason, could be forceps, could be 
um, it could be a C-section. Mm -hmm. Or you could build a case pretty easily that all births are incomplete. That, that we weren't designed to complete them at vaginal delivery or C-section, that, that we were designed to complete over time. And I think like that idea me, of the fourth trimester. Fourth trimester, absolutely. And I, when I think of, and we look at other cultures or anything, think, if, I think just for me, and I think of how, it would, how did God make us, mm -hmm. and did, what were we made to wrap it up at the delivery and not need anything is not real likely. Yeah. It probably... Yeah. It was, I, I always think of it like an externalized nest, nesting. If you think the very natural thing to do is to nest during, during the nine months. And then after the fourth trimester, if we really let things be natural, we would be working to build a community. And that we'd be finding ways to, and during that time period, to have help completing the delivery. And so um, one of the things we found is that we could we could get the baby to push again for a birth again, mm -hmm. and we would do that by doing very light techniques to stretch or compress, and I use that word very lightly, because people are like compress babies, like yeah, but very light. Yeah. And in in compressing the drill tube, a lot of times you'll get a birthing push. You'll hear a baby; it has a specific sound. Compressing the neural tube, yeah, like on the drill tube, drill tube. Oh, so like just tilting, tilting the cranial base forward just a smidge, oh. just a little bit of security at the lower sacrum, and allowing for yeah. those two hands to connect and just sit there and wait. And what happens is, boom, baby starts pushing. And they usually has a grunt sound or a sputter, kind of. It'll sound like they're spitting almost. Uh -huh. That's fascial tension coming out. And then what we do is we set mom's hands up and set her hands up like this. We put baby's head in her hands yeah. and we birth baby through her hands again. And so you're asking me like what, what I think the coolest thing is. That's really cool because um, a, a rebirth in our office is an opportunity to rewrite the birth. Neurologically, it's rewriting. It's paradigm shifting even. And so the, when a mother, after the, our, that visit, goes back to reference her traumatic birth, they've, they've often told us they can't remember it. They actually report amnesia, sort of. Can, do they know it happened a particular way the first time? Yeah, but they can't reference it in a way that they feel it as something negative. It's just a thing, which kind of brings me to another favorite thing. And that is that if the body is not holding the trauma, there is no trauma. There's just, we can't hold trauma in the mind alone. This it's is, in the cells. This is it's my, the my thinking, that it's in the tissue. Yeah. And, and so what we've got when trauma has happened or uh, it, we're holding something as being traumatic, it is when I have a story about something that has found a place in the body to reference. Mm -hmm. And they, they're together. And so what's cool about body work and finding zero and those kinds of things that we do is that we're, we're finding through therapeutic dialogue, we're finding the spot in the body where they're holding that conversation. It could be me asking, how are you and your mother doing? Mm -hmm. Or it could be uh, it, just anything, just yeah. anything that you're holding. It's, it, so that conversation begins to generate this awareness of a specific area where that trauma is being held and then we get to remove that using body work completely. And what we find is people, once again, they, uh, amnesia is a very common word used mm -hmm. that we're not asking them about that word. They're like, it's like it's amnesia, John. They'll say, like, it's like it's gone. Yeah. And that, I like that. That's you know what would be cool. really cool is if 
you did some kind of study to look at cancer rates of your finding zero and your C-section recovery clients um, compared to the general population. Because right. I've had a lot of naturopaths say, it, like the body keeps the score kind of principle. Like there's, there's actual trauma is held in the cells. Yeah. It's physiologically yeah. held. Yes. And a lot of people, especially in the holistic community, will say it's usually a trauma that will induce a cancer or induce right. cancer cells to become actual cancer, like an actual tumor. Yeah. Of course. So how cool would that be? Have that you, would be cool. Do you have those numbers? I do not. <laughs> we have a lot It'd of testimonies. <laughs> you know, we've. I'll be honest with you. We we are an organization that has. I wouldn't say we've divorced the value of research, but we're very suspicious of it. Yeah. And so in doing so, we, we've, we may have kind of harmed ourselves in some ways, like, because um, that's, that's not an area that we focus in very much. <laughs> right. um, but I, I can see that even just looking yeah. at trends, you know, yeah. it would be really interesting to see like if, if, because we do know about the autonomic nervous system that if it's, if it's activated chronically, and it's constantly in fight or flight. We know that all of those people get sick. We don't, we don't, we can study that. Yeah. That's, that's, um, that's already been done. We yeah. can look that up. And, and um, the Vegas study group on Facebook has got all of that. And if you're not on that Facebook group, it's legit. It's really, Vegas? It's called the Vegas study group, like V-A-G-U-S. Like Vegas nerve. Oh, the nerve. Yeah. And not so, like the place. Um, no. And uh, that's a, yeah, I'll give a plug for them. Really, really good. In my yeah. notes, yeah. next on my list to study. That's really cool. Um, let's see, what all have we talked about? Goodness gracious, we've talked about so much. Um, what other practitioners at Kikino are doing the Finding Zero clinic? I think Finding Zero started with my own work and had to do with trauma release and stuff. A lot of our therapists, and so Finding Zero came to me just as a name because I often in my naturally in my mind, like I start way out there in the future and work backwards and yeah. sometimes it'll with like a name or a name of a book or like something that hasn't been written, you know, yeah. it'll never be written. But Finding Zero came to me and, and so that that's kind of a project that's important to me. However... So that's the um, name of your next book is what you're saying. Maybe. Note to self. But the... the um, the process of using body work to get someone somewhere like zero. And think of zero like the least stressful you've ever known to be. Yeah. Or a quiet spot, you know. Think of 10 being the most horrifically stressed you've ever been. Some yeah. people would even say, yeah, that time I was hospitalized. I'll hear stuff like that. Yeah. And so um, uh, we have multiple therapists that are qualified to do that. Yeah. They Doing that in their own way and through their own training or maybe they've done some training with me. We have, we have really advanced therapists so um, yeah you do we do so um, there's multiple therapists that can help in that way even some of our very beginner therapists lately we, we keep generating new new students that are just really good at that work and they have to have some sort of understanding of the autonomic nervous system yeah. you have to have some idea of like where does the vagus nerve innervate the diaphragm and where does it come through the cranial area like wh like is that taught in massage school can you learn um, that in no, massage school? That's no, probably more advanced, right? Yeah, um, but there's a lot of extended training. You can also just pick up a book and read and 
you know, yeah. the diagrams yeah. are easy to find, <laughs> and, you know, and so, but that's a lot when I teach students in our clinic, I'm teaching them a yeah. lot about that, how to, how to affect that system, so. So I would assume that your student, that Kikino students are far more qualified than just your average massage school well, student. The state boards last year, 54%, I believe, don't quote me on this, but it, you could almost quote, I know it's close. Yeah. 54% passed. That means 54 out of 100 people that took the test passed it. 100% of our students passed it. Mm, and we're, awesome. we're, I think we're around 90%. We don't quite know yet. Yeah. We've, we've had a, a couple of students fail the test this year, mm. which is not, honestly, it's not that big a deal. It's, it, you can retake it. They just take it again. So there's yeah. some students that have test anxiety, if you will. Yeah. But... Um, the the state average supposedly this year is going to be under fifty percent. Like it, people are really schools are really struggling getting students ready. Our school is hard, is a difficult school. It's rigorous. There's a lot of uh, interacting between the clinic and the school. There's a lot of crossover, and then we have multiple programs where students fall into some sort of mentorship. Okay. One of them is something we would let most students in, and the other one is something they have to apply for, and we accept people and we decline people. And, you know, it's a little more rigorous. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so, so cool. Well, is there any, anything we didn't get to? Anything you want to talk I, about I, that I, we haven't talked about? I got one thing. I'm glad I didn't forget it. Okay. Body work. What is body work? We talked about that earlier, right? Yeah. But when you look online, if you look at the Texas Tongue Tie Group, yeah. they're saying like, okay, so I, you, they'll, they'll be complaining. Someone will be talking about how it didn't go well. Okay. And someone will say, did you get body work? Yeah. And they'll say, yes, I got CST, which could be body work. Body yeah. Work. It could yeah. be. It could be a technique sufficient enough to cover what we're doing. Could be. Yeah. Um, they, they would say, no, I got body work. I, I worked with a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And it could be a chiropractor that has the time to do all of that. But I'll say in both of those cases in our experience, it, it's better off to be someone that works along with those two people that can do multiple things mm -hmm. or more importantly that has time to identify the breakdown in the relationship between mother and baby i was about to say because if they say yes baby got body work done it's, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, that were mom got what she needed she or that they were in, prepared 100 percent of those cases that i can see mother wasn't treated at all yeah or dad brings the baby for whatever reason, mm. like those that and we we don't you not you can't do that in our clinic. We don't we yeah. don't work with someone that occasionally will have someone else. can't work on mom no matter what. We refer them to someone else. Yeah, that's how important it is. And so the whole body work conversation, if body work is so important for uh, preparing for a tongue tie release, which we believe that to be true, um, do we also believe chiropractic care is really important? Yes, absolutely. Do we think? Craniosacral therapy is absolutely, absolutely. And we, uh, most craniosacral therapists are doing other techniques as well, so mm -hmm. we just don't know. Yeah. But body work kind of covers it all. Like The main thing is that someone's able to evaluate fascial tension that's head to toe. You know, And because we know the deep front fascial plane goes from the tongue to the feet, right? Mm -hmm. It diverges, I don't know if that's the right word, it turns and encompasses the diaphragm and it's rather involved, right? Yeah. So any tension in that line is important that that tension is gone before that procedure is done. Because otherwise, it's we're kind of leaving a kink in the line. So body work, 
would be more like a, a fascial evaluation, a craniosacral, craniosacral work and evaluation, um, relationship work between mom and baby, optimizing the bond. And that's the other thing uh, I'll add is maybe the last thing here is the more I work, I realize that a shallow latch is just a shallow, shallow, I got to word this right, I'll get in a lot of trouble. So a shallow latch is a non-optimal bond. I agree. Yeah. And so what, yeah. what I have tried, I've, I've taken a couple of moms to talk to about this openly so I could see if I was going to make moms mad. Yeah. And what I realized is that moms are always bonded at 100% of their capacity. Yeah. And so when I realized that, I'm like, that is one, even if the bond is zero, it's 100% of their capacity for whatever reason. Let's say severe postpartum depression or whatever. They're still at 100%. They're giving it their all. They're doing everything they can. Yeah. And um, the, the difference with body work is that the, the capacity changes. And so what we're watching is we're watching a baby meet the mother where the bond is. And so when they go to latch, they get out of the front of their mouth because they, they have this access to something deeper. And I also think like if you and Brian are mad at each other and he wants you to kiss him, like you're gonna like, yeah, run of your mouth. Like it's gonna be oh, like super so shallow. Yeah. And then so you could say in that instance that your capacity is compromised. Yeah. And so we wouldn't try to get you to get a deeper bond with him. We would try to change the capacity. Maybe a good conversation's in order. Maybe he needs to say, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Cool. Okay. Things I didn't think I would talk about. Kissing my husband. (laughs) He told me to bring it up. No, he didn't. (laughs) And you said he needed to apologize. (laughs) Yes, he needs to apologize. We have that recorded. All right, as we wrap up, I hope you got a glimpse of the breadth of what John does and just how amazing Kikino is. You guys are such an important presence in the community and I'm honored to be able to chat with you a little bit more and give our audience a chance to hear from you. Um, So I will just close it there. Thank you so much, everybody who's listening or watching and we will see you next time.